Hey, this is the As Yet Unnamed Gaming Podcast. My name's Kevin. I'm Jacob. And we're going to keep talking about Keyforge, continuing with our analysis of some of the archetypes that we've seen. Um, today we're going to hit kind of the big one. I would call it the, the level one strategy that is kind of in your face when you start the game. Yeah, clearly the most powerful at a beginning level or uh, a underdeveloped meta game. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, so it's going to be Amber Control, and this encompasses anything that really focuses on your opponent's Amber Pool, or your Amber Pool if your opponent is playing the type of this deck. Um, so conceptually, and we come from Magic, we're going to relate things back to Magic. This is very similar to like the Drago Control decks. These are decks that have like counter spells. These are iconic things that keep you from playing spells to try to win the game. I think Amber Control is very similar in that it keeps you from gaining Amber to win the game. It's like kind of a hard stop a lot of the time. Right. It's, it's almost similar to life gain as in Magic because at the end of the day, if you can keep your opponent below roughly 18 Amber, they will not finish the game. Um, so in Amber Control, there's basically four ways that cards have of controlling your Amber, your opponent's Amber, a player's Amber. At least as we understand it now. It's kind of... Yeah. Like, maybe we're missing something, but this is what we see. It could be, yeah. So the big one is stealing. Um, and this is where I think how Shadows gets a lot of its power from. This is kind of why people think Shadows is so good. is because it does most of the stealing. It does most of the big stealing. Mm-hmm. Um, so iconic cards. Bait and Switch is the big one. People think this card is insane. Yeah. It's very good in the right situation. It's really good. I... I doubt it's as good as people think it is. I think it's not as good as people think it is because you can play in a different way yeah. and mitigate the effect of it. And again, I, Archon is always an open decklist format. At least you get to look at it for the two minutes or whatever it is. And you you never will go into an event and go, wow, I got surprised by that bait and switch. Yeah. So also... Of note, something I noticed, Bait and Switch is usually the first card in Shadows on any deck might, list. I, I think, think it's literally, in I think it's the first card in Shadows, so other than Mavericks, I think it's always the first card in Shadows. Um, so Bait and Switch, we're going to get to strategies against it. We're going to keep talking about different types of Amber Control. Next up, another Shadows card, Urchin. This is a creature, steals one, just yeah. very good. He's kind of a little crapper, yeah, doesn't have much power, player. but... He's elusive. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, a lot of times he'll stick around and reap a little bit because yeah. people don't want to spend any resources on it. Right. Um, and then too much to protect to protect is another potentially big swing in Amber if you walk into it. Right. Um, so that one says if your opponent has more than six Amber, steal them down to six and then keep going with your day. Right. I think it's often actually the I think it's often pretty bad if you play around it. Yeah. Again, don't get blindsided by cards that you know they have um and then other examples in another house dis has pit demon pit demon is just five power action steal and amber yep um better than reaping and then (laughs) a little dig there (laughs) (laughs) um another type of control that you'll see a lot and i actually am coming around on this one is capturing um so your opponent will play a card that captures a certain number of amber from your pool um Cards like Charette, uh, Drumble, Old Bruno, and Ether Spider. Ether Spider is kind of an ongoing capture. Um, 
I think these cards are great to play against because it's still my amber. Right. I'm gonna get it back. It's just in the charrette bank for a little bit. Yeah. And it makes you like one thing is it it protects you against bait and switch because you have a little storehouse as long as they're not taking it off of those creatures for their own which there's only i think one card that actually does that i think there might be two but they're slow they're yeah. one at a time still it's it yeah i i just totally agree with you what captures my amber i kind of i'm like all right it's safe cool yeah i'll, get it I'll leave it there i'll come back yeah. for it in a little bit um the times that capture is kind of strong is when you thought you were forging a key and they capture your dice. And you're like, oh, okay, I lost a little bit of tempo. Yeah, you go from seven to four and then you start your turn. You have to either kill it or go back up to six. And... Yeah. Um, I tend to try to gain Amber back up instead of investing too much in killing those so creatures right out the back. Yeah, it's like a bank. Yeah. Um, so another kind, this is a little less seen in Amber control decks. So mostly they focus on capturing and stealing. That's yeah. kind of the big way. Um, another type of Amber control is loss. Um, cards that make you lose amber. This is cards like Shaffles, uh, Effervescent Principle coming out of Logos, and Bumpsy coming out of Brobnar. There's obviously more cards than we're mentioning, but right. these are kind of the common and uncommon ones that you're going to see pretty often. Yeah, I think we're not mentioning any rares as we talk about, like, archetypal We're cards. trying not to, because this is, Some, like, yeah. these are the cards that form the decks. Right, and Keyforge is just a game where the rares are a little weird. Yeah. The commons are often very powerful. Bane's Witch, like, even if we think it's not as good as people think it is, it might still be the best card in the game. Um, like, standalone card. Mm -hmm. And it's a common. There's only limit one per deck, which was a good call. Yeah, agreed. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, honestly, the second and third Bait and Switch... Might not be as good as the first one, depending on... I think they're pretty good because they're always going to have it. Sure, that's true. Maybe the second one played in a game is worse, right. but they're always going to have the one. Yeah, you're more likely to have in your opener. Um, and then the last type of Amber Control is uh, pretty passive, but I think it's pretty effective, is uh, increasing key cost. So this is making either making your opponent's Amber less percent of a key, right. um, or stalling them from forging a key on the turn they thought they were going to. Uh, so this is cards like Lash of Broken Dreams. That one is very frustrating to play against. Yep. Um, cards like, because it has a big effect of action, make your key cost three. Yeah, but more. it's also, it's not passive, which means they have to choose this, they have to activate it. Sure. So it's roughly on a third of the time. Right. It's obviously on more when they think it's useful. Yes. But... Like the next cards, uh, Murmook, yep. Grabber Jammer, basically the same effect. Um, and there's also like, you know, there's more cards that do a similar thing. Uh, Jammer Pack. Iron Obelisk. Iron Obelisk, yeah. But these ones are just, you know, raise the cost just a little bit. Decks that have multiples of these cards start to get pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then another thing to kind of note in this section is Lash of Broken Dreams. Much better when played with Keyhammer. Because mm. if you can get your opponent to pay nine and then give them back six, yeah. it just feels so good. <laughs> um, so also, of no, Grabber Jammer has the extra reap fight ability yeah. of capturing one. Yeah. So he kind of yeah. plays double duty, yeah. um, does two of the four things. It's in a house that doesn't usually control Amber like that unless you get a very specific set. Right. He comes out of Mars. Um, so that's kind of the core um, plant, like ways that it attacks your Amber. Um, so we do want to talk about some strategies against it. So specifically playing against bait and switch. What 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 should people do if they see bait and switch on their opponent's deck and it hasn't been played in the game yet? Right, and 
I think we've kind of discussed this together. And number one thing you can do is keep parity on your amber. Don't don't make a bunch of extra amber before your opponent. If you if they never really get behind you in amber, their bane switch doesn't do anything. But crucial to this is that you still have to hit that check first. So you obviously have to get a little ahead, one or two amber ahead, because you have to hit check first. If you don't hit check first and they make a key, now all of your ambers are. They suddenly made a huge gap right. and they steal a bunch of yours. Yes. That's the that's when Bane Switch hurts the most. Yeah. Is you are keeping that parody and they slip ahead and you either can't control them down yep. or you, you know, you can't really do anything about it. They forge a key, they spend six, they get something for it, and then they steal yours to kind of fill the gap that they made. Right, and Bane Switch is actually a card that some of the other cards we talked about before, like Lash of Broken Dreams, really good against Bait and Switch. Yeah. Because you keep your opponent, if you can keep them at 8 Amber, their Bait and Switch does nothing. And, like, the other card's, like, too much to protect. Again, you can just play around that. Uh, you don't have to go over 6. Obviously, it's hard if you run into a combination of things. Like, let's say they are Dis and Shadows, which I think is kind of the most common choice among people if they could just choose yeah. their deck. I think that they're the the current two top houses in like public opinion yeah. of people that are trying to like get a handle on this game. Yeah, I think the, the rating systems have not helped in that regard. <laughs> they're kind of bumped up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so talking about Amber Parity, it's it's a little bit of an abstract concept, but we're going to cover a little bit of how you can keep that parity. Um, and this is saying like, like watching the gap between your Amber and your opponent's Amber and don't make it too big in your favor because that's good for them. Right. This is doing things that feel awkward, like not reaping. Yeah. I have not, five creatures in this house and yeah. I, I reap with none of them because my Amber is where I need it to right. be in or this you, situation. Yeah, or you reaped with one because like, you wanted to make one. That's why you took this turn. Yeah. But yeah, you don't, don't do some of your creatures aren't going to do something sometimes. And your opponent's going to look at you and go, they know how to beat me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and along with this, it, we're not saying, like, just pass the turn. We're saying focus on other things. So you can build up your board in different ways. If you have creatures that don't gain you amber immediately, um, you can play them out, force your opponent to either respond to your dominating board position or spend their steel cards for, like, less value than they hope to get from it. And then if they do spend those cards, if they do bait and switch you for some amount, if you're playing like this, hopefully it's two, maybe three amber, mm -hmm. as opposed to like four, five, or six that you might see. Right. Then you have this board built up. It gets to your turn. You say, okay, I have you know three houses to choose from. I have creatures out from every house. I have abilities from every house. I have cards from every house. I can, I can pick the turn that makes the most sense to get back into the game or to stay in the game if you have kept tempo. If you got the first check, if you got the first key, you can keep your tempo up by having a stronger board that you didn't gain amber. Like, gaining amber is bad if they haven't played the bait and switch yet, and they have, like, four amber. Um, so you want to avoid that. It's counterintuitive. The game's about gaining amber and forging keys, but you know they have this card's going to take it from you anyways. So just kind of stay low. This is... Magic people might know this, but this is similar to the concept of who's the beatdown? <laughs> um, which... I don't really recommend looking into too much because it's it's just been around in Magic forever, and it's just the idea of know who's doing what role. Uh, 
if your opponent is trying to steal your amber, then even if you're trying to make your amber as fast as you can normally, you need to slow down because that's how you're going to lose this game. Um, and part of this is analyzing the board state and kind of reading your opponent and saying, what are they doing? What do their turns look like? Do I think they have the bait and switch now? And this is not... Uh, it's not super difficult to do because if your opponent is taking small turns, mm -hmm. they're playing maybe one, two cards, maybe they're using utility creatures or utility artifacts and they're not gaining a bunch, they're obviously holding back because they already have it. Um, if they're playing a deck that has a Bane Switch in it and they're playing three, four, five cards a turn, trying to turn through their deck, they're probably digging for it. That's mm -hmm. um, not to say that you should just immediately gain a bunch of Amber and try and beat them to the Bane Switch, it's just saying, like, understand where they're at in that tempo. Um, and this leads into also kind of knowing when you can play a big turn. The safest time is after they've unloaded yeah. these big cards on you. It's not 100% safe. They can have backups. They might have drawn into more things. Like, chances are their deck has multiple Amber Control cards. Right. But you want to mitigate the ones that have the biggest impact. And then you can play your big turn. You can reap with your five creatures. You can play the cards that gain a bunch of amber and do cool things. Right, because I think these steel decks, a lot of times where they're really winning the game is they forge a key, you have some amber, and then they bait and switch, followed up by like an urchin or two. And now you're down to one or two amber. They're at six. Again. Yeah. And this, they immediately went back up to a new key. And this is when you need to, like, if you can, this is where you're playing your hunting witches. This is where you go ham. Mm -hmm. and you just get back up there, obviously try to get them under a key if you can. But that's kind Most of... decks have some form right. of amber control. You're going to have yeah. some cards that do something to affect your opponent's amber pool. That's how the game is built. So you want to hold your cards to either... I would use uh, an amber control card to keep them off of their first key. I would also use it, obviously, on that follow-up turn to kind of reset that balance a little bit. Right, I guess, yeah, and I guess it's important to note here when we talk about these steel decks, specifically the steel decks, we think this is kind of the the biggest one. The capture decks, the like loss of amber decks, the key cost raising decks, usually these aren't their primary game plan. Right. The steel is usually the primary game plan, and it's one of their houses. The rest of the deck has to be functional. The rest of the deck's going to do something else. Hopefully it's helping them complete the steel package, but you have to... Still, I lost my train of thought completely. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you still have to fight around these steel cards, and we're talking about these steel is like like Bane Switch. It's like seems like all we talk about is Bane Switch, but that's because it's the one that matters. Yeah, um, it's the one everyone talks about, and yeah. probably overvalues. Yeah, I think it's hugely overvalued. Uh, I think a Shadows deck is probably better when it has Bane Switch. Sure, but a deck that has Bane Switch is not necessarily just automatically better than another deck. Right. Where, like, it seems like... We played in an event last night, actually, as of recording this, and how many Shadows decks did you play? You actually kind of dodged it. Uh, well, the but, first deck had Bait and Switch. Okay. Uh, I don't remember the second deck. All I remember is the Sanctum cards yeah. I lost, too. <laughs> it was frustrating. Yeah. But, um, yeah, at least... I think all, most of them had shadows, but they didn't all have bait and switch. My fourth pound opponent did not have bait and switch. Mm -hmm. um, first round certainly did. So that's yeah. all I actually remember about theirs. I want to say I played against three bait and switch decks, 
Um, which is just dead against you. Yeah, I was, I was playing the combo <laughs> deck, so it's irrelevant against me, which is another thing to note here yeah. if you're trying to play these skill decks. Um, these You need a backup plan against these combo decks. Yeah. So a, a deck with bait and switch and snack lifter, probably better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I do think steel is generally accompanied by capture cards. You'll see, like, the, the biggest one that I see just all the time, because it's a common, it's in discs, is charrette. You see it in multiples. It's, like, not restricted in any decks. And it's really good um, with cards, like, with kind of the other side of the spectrum of steel, of, like, ghostly hand. Mm -hmm. So if you can capture them down to one, turn that ghostly hand into, like, a gain two steel one, that's kind of insane. So I, th I, do, I do generally see... Capture cards and steel cards going together, that's kind of people's idea of the strongest combination of abilities. The losses show up a little bit less. Like, you're happy to have yeah. shaffles in those decks. That's totally fine. Um, I think, actually, a steel deck doesn't want to make you lose amber because nope. they're re relying on your amber pool yeah. to fund their keys. Yeah, sometimes you'll find these awkward games, and I've seen this a couple of times, where your opponent's really heavy on steel, and you... For whatever, maybe you're just building out a board and you're not making any amber, and your opponent just doesn't do anything because they kept an early hand that had multiple steel cards. So they're just sitting with these three cards that are just totally dead until you actually do anything. That's great. But yeah, you end up with you know seven creatures on the board and they're sitting and taking one card, two yeah. card turns. And this is that that small turns. Like it might yeah. be that their cards don't do what they want them to do. They're hoping for them to get better, and you're making them less and less good as the turns go on. But I also think people. Again, we think people are overvaluing bait and switch. I also think that people are overvaluing bait and switch in their opening hands. Yes. People see a bait and switch in their opening hands, which bad is not where you want it. No, you want it on like turn three or four, probably. Yeah, yeah. so I actually like more likely to probably mulligan a hand with a bait and switch yeah. hand because you're just, you're just going to hold it. I think the ideal situation is bait and switch plus an archive card. Yes, Bane Switch is Bane Switch is one of the best cards to have in your archives because yes. then you don't have to warp your game plan. You can play normal turns, yes. and you're not chaining yourself with a Bane Switch. Right, Hidden Stash is really good. In really good. Yeah. Um, so then uh, we mentioned it before, but a really strong strategy against decks that are trying specifically Bane Switch, but are trying to steal a bunch of your amber is raising their key cost. So like Lash of Broken Dreams makes it to where them getting to that first check takes them nine amber. You right. hopefully only have to gain six. So if they're at nine, if they're at eight and you're at five and you go up to six, their bait switch does nothing. Their steals are pretty good still, the little incremental steals. Um, but you're making them invest a lot more in that parity. And like parity looks a little bit different. It's more lopsided because they have to have more on hand than you do. And steel decks don't usually want to have a lot more than you do right. if they're trying to bait switch you. Right. This is the main card that, that yeah. bites people. Yeah. Like, incremental steals, urchins, and, and yeah. pit demons and stuff, you know, yeah. you either know they're coming or they're pretty minor. Um, and a lot of times you can, like, get your amber back or just your deck's probably better at generating amber than theirs is. So... Their urchin made one, made you lose one. You make four on the next turn. They only make one or two. Like their deck is generally worse at generating that amber than yours is because they're relying on you to gain. And actually, in the same thing as raising key costs against steel, you can actually use cards like Titan Mechanic as well. It's a similar thing. If you can get your key cost down, 
There's less amber in the game. There's less to steal. Bait and switch is going to do less when you only need it to five versus six. Even if it's, it also helps them. If you can get a game where you have a tight mechanic and like a Murmuk out, it's starting to, you know, yeah. create these, like change what parody looks like. Yeah. That's a good observation on tight mechanic. I hadn't thought of, I mean, I've, I've played it like that yes. and I've noticed that, but I hadn't thought of it in this specific, yeah. like against bait and switch. Um, because it's a lot of times it's hard to not gain amber, <laughs> and so these decks that are trying to stay low are eventually going to gain one or two or three, and then if you're only getting to five, that gap is a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's a be a good time to just a quick conversation about the rating systems and keyboards. Sure. Um, How I many think, are there? Uh, I, there's a bunch. I okay. know of like three or four. I generally don't look at them. I have looked at them out of curiosity, although the first time I saw that they existed, I immediately questioned Who made why it? this would be useful. Mm. Um, because, like, there's, like, I don't know, the two biggest ones that I know, maybe the, the three biggest ones, there's, like, the ADHD, mm-hmm. which basically just, like, tells you what your cards do. Yep. So, I guess, like, sure, maybe that's helpful at a glance. I don't personally find it that helpful. To know that is that the one that's like board control and it, yeah, it's, synergy or whatever. Yeah, it's like I think it basically counts like how many cards destroy a card. Okay. How many cards create an amber just by virtue of playing it? Mm-hmm. So it's like if you played the thirty six cards in your deck, you would gain twenty one amber. Sure. So, you know, like, so it's something like that. So I don't personally find that that useful because I can read my own cards. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually I think the least egregious of them because it it applies no rating, although it does kind of put the numbers in like green or red and it kind of puts it against the average, which I think does apply a rating in people's eyes, even if it's not meant to. And I think this is it's not a bad way to like maybe browse a new deck. Right. It'll give you a quick handle on a new deck. Yeah. Or something I think like it's fine. But then there's like the uh I think it's the SAS rating. Synergy anti synergy. This is synergy the one that synergy. synergy. Yeah, this, this is, is the one, one that really kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um because it's just the bulk of the score is just based on card ratings, which I think by the creator's own admission is just numbers he assigned to cards. Um, I believe like face value, one person's opinion. Right. And I believe that that person, I don't know their name, unfortunately. I think they posted on Reddit. I don't remember who they are. But I think they're if they listen to this podcast, they would immediately say, well, they really don't like Bane Switch. It's clearly <laughs> the best card in the game because it has the highest. It's tied for the highest rating, I think, in the sure. system. And so, so is cards like I think urchins are not in the highest tier, but they always show up in multiples, or they often show up in multiples. So, like a lot of times, it just like adds like ten points of card strength because yeah. there's three urchins in this deck. So the ratings are skewed towards specific. Yeah. Uh, Commons and uncommons potentially right, and that are in a lot all, of decks. They're and all in shadows. Suddenly make shadows decks worth a lot more. Right, so everyone's looking at these going, man, all my decks are 80 plus. I think that's like where people draw the line. Yeah. They're like, every deck that's 80 plus is shadows. That's weird. It's like, that's not weird because those cards are just worth a little more in the system. Right. Whether or not that means anything. I personally don't think it means much. I think Burger Tokens also has a rating system, which I think is closer to ADHD. It's more of just like, facts i don't think it applies a rating i haven't really looked at that one sure overall i every time i see people selling decks and stuff it's like 
they give all these ratings because clearly they're like, oh, this is a, a 90. This one's going to sell for more. Yeah. Like, look at the list, and you're like, got Fagan. It's got, it's got two Fagan. <laughs> and, like, for Urshan, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's 30 points in this rating system. Yeah. It doesn't, like, it's good. Sure. But it's, like, it could just have an entirely dead house, and the rating system will still think it's good. Yeah. So a deck is a deck is a good deck. Yeah doesn't just have some good cards in it. Yeah. It's not like you're digging for the bait and switch and that's going to win you the game. You have to have three strong houses, three at least solid houses, mm-hmm. three houses that do something. You can't have a turn where you're like, okay, I have to call Brobnar now right. because my hand Discard is full of them. cards so I can draw good cards. Right, your cards need to do things. All of your cards need to do yeah. something. So we look when we look at a deck, we're looking for any dead cards. Yeah. Any cards that are like obviously subpar either in that deck right. Or in general. We're immediately knocking that deck down. I saw a deck, uh, so I was browsing some kind of face-up decks that were priced by like a certain website, Mm -hmm. and I saw a deck that had, it was was Mars Logos Untamed. Yep. So, you know, Mars and Logos have a lot of scientists, right? Yes. Untamed had two curiosities. (laughs) It was an $8 deck. It was so bad. Those curiosities are just awful. So, like, that was clearly not a good deck. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the rating on it would be. I didn't look, but oh man, I, I was looking through and I was like, oh, these, these Mars cards are good. These logos cards. Are good. Oh gosh, there's two curiosities. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with just taking a turn off to discard some curiosity? Yeah, it was bad. Does curiosity create, um, make an amber when you play it? I yes. Know. It does. All right. Well, there you All go. of the situational, the very situational cards do make an amber. So oh, like mm-hmm. the Imperial Trader, the oh, one that's like a shadows card that pulls a, like, purges a sanctum creature out of their hand. They get to look at their hand, sure. it makes an amber. Like, make an amber look at yeah. their hand if you happen to be playing in sanctum, it would be a bonus. Sure. Um, so kind of in closing, I do want to say the last, on uh, on Crucible, I think the last four times I got bait and switched, they were for one, two, three, and four. I lost one, two, three, and four amber, <laughs> and I think I won all four of those games. Right. Even the time I got bait and switched for four, because I had built up a board and I had kind of a plan for the post bait and switch. I came back. Um, I think it revolved around Hypnotic Command. I love that card. I'm kind of on that card right now and yeah. trying to make it super good. Um, it involved like a Hypnotic Command for four back or five back or whatever. Um, but I had set it up kind yes. of in preparation. And the other ones, the other games, I played this where I'm trying to keep parity, trying to hit the first key, keeping an eye on my opponent, saying, okay, I think you have the bait and switch. I'm going to build on my board. And then they just either get impatient and fire it off for one or two, or they realize that it's not worth it to them to hold it in their hand, and they use it kind of the way that it, I think, is intended to be used, which is small gain, keep going. Um, So, like, if people are playing correctly, if the metagame is developing correctly, and you have a deck that can do these things, that can shift your game plan based on what you needed to do, and that doesn't, like, force you to gain a bunch of amber then you're in a much better spot against that specific card and probably against steals in general because you have something set up to come back. Right. And that is the conclusion of my thoughts. Yeah, and uh, my last thoughts on this are if your opponent has bait and switch in their deck, discard your Aether Spider. Oh, it is so bad. Don't do that. Don't if, anyone, if anyone doesn't know how it works, Aether Spider takes all of your opponent's Amber and then bait and switch doesn't really work the way it used to because anything they steal from you goes onto the spider and they're 
number never goes up. So right. if they have two and you have six, they're going to steal four of it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're down to two and they're at two and it's all on the spider. And if this ether spider has been out for a little bit and they're at zero, they just take all your amber. That's so bad. Free. It's so bad. Don't play the spider against me. Yes, discard it. Okay. Bye.